And a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from all of us at Rosie on the House on this Christmas Eve Saturday morning. It finally feels like Christmas. You know, after having a summer full of heat, uh, it's always nice to get a nice cold feeling, get a reprise, and enjoy all the festivities that the holidays have to offer. And uh, just recently, Rosie, Romy, and Jennifer sat down and talked about some of their favorite Christmas memories and traditions. So grab that cup of coffee or eggnog or whatever beverage you enjoy on Christmas Eve and enjoy the stories. Jennifer, what's your, what's your favorite childhood Christmas memory? You know, childhood, um, our Christmases were pretty simple at home. Uh, when I, of course, as most young families, we didn't have a lot of stuff and it wasn't really a time when cr- Christmas was all that commercial. So I do remember stockings full of tangerines and nuts and you know that this is all in memphis uh memphis and st louis yeah, yeah. memphis and st louis and uh but i remember our very first big christmas mom and dad there's three girls in our family they bought us banana bikes and that was such a big deal and we had more fun <laughs> on we lived in a big apartment complex and just rode and rode you know in the parking lot that was that was a big deal oh i bet it was how about yours well you know mom and dad were so good about making Christmas a, a memorable time. Um, a lot, a lot of the Christmases stand out for me. But the one that, that jumps out was the year we moved from a little bitty town in South Louisiana to Denver, Colorado. And we woke up, I had uh, five brothers, five sisters and one brother at the time in Colorado. We were young, I was only about eight years old at the time. We woke up and went down, lived in a tri-level home in Littleton, Colorado. Went downstairs to the Christmas tree and there were a few packages under the Christmas tree and and um, being an eight-year-old selfish little brat, I thought, well, boy, it's a bummer. And then you turned around and on the dining room table, there were 10 sets of snow skis, 10 sets of snow poles, 10 sets of snow boots, 10 sets of ski gloves, and that little Cajun family uh, all learned how to ski at Arapahoe Basin, and I'll never forget that Christmas morning, and it has since become, you know, probably one of my my favorite recreational pastimes is snow skiing. Well, what did you guys drive from Denver to Arapahoe to fit all that equipment in? Ford Econoline 150 van, baby. I mean, what, did you have to put stuff on the top? <laughs> no, is it, no you, you open the, the you open the French doors in back, and everything slid underneath the seats, and the kids in the back two rows just couldn't put their feet down because you'd be stepping <laughs> all over the skis and the boots, and there was always a thermos of hot chocolate that we'd throw up in the back seat on the way home. <laughs> oh, throw up. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. Good memories. Oh, man, so that... That Christmas 1965 in Littleton, Colorado, as a child, is the one that stands out. Roman, we tried to make some of yours pretty special growing up. You know, any of them stick out? You know, I don't have that ability to say this year we did that. And I, you know, moving from Louisiana to Colorado, that would be a pretty easy thing to remember. You know, we've always been here. We've been yeah. at, for the most part, the same house. I have vague memories of 
previous houses other than the one y'all are in now that you've been in for over 30 years, I think. But what I do have is like scenes. I can perfectly remember certain scenes, uh, you know, memories. Like, you know, we always had to have the fire going and the coffee going and uh, breakfast maybe. I can't remember all the things, but before we were allowed to wake up mom and dad, and we couldn't open our presents before we woke well, y'all up. And, and Jennifer and I didn't get smart enough to make that rule till after a couple of years we realized every Christmas morning they're getting up earlier and earlier. And and one morning they ran and in our bedroom like at 3.30 in the morning jumping on our bed. Let's open presents. And so I made the rule. Look, from now on, the fire has to be lit, coffee has to be made, and 5 o'clock. Five o'clock is as early as y'all could come in here. <laughs> and I think that started because we were always racing with our cousins. Yes. Who were back in Colorado on who could call the other one earliest. So that every Christmas it just kept getting earlier and earlier. And finally it was early enough. You guys said, all right, this is not going to work. But one of those after it was like you have to wait till five o'clock. It took us a little while to get good at it. Uh, one year, I, we, we we still got up at 3.30, got everything ready, and then <laughs> we were like an hour and 40 minutes to sit around and, and kill time. One of those mornings, me and Rachel were sitting by the fire, and the light was starting to kind of come up a little bit. Maybe not, because that something... Too early. Yeah, too early. But something caught my eye shining out the window, and I went over there, I'm like, that's a trampoline. We got a trampoline. So we didn't even bother waking you guys up that morning because it wasn't wrapped. It was all put together. I can't imagine you guys staying up. Santa did Setting that, that up. Santa yeah. did that. Because uh, I've set up trampolines, and that, that's a pain in the neck. can't imagine <laughs> doing that in the dark. But So we went out, and we're bouncing on the trampoline, and I, I don't even remember coming and getting you all that year. I'm sure we did, but I don't remember that part. I do remember coming out and you guys all being in your pajamas and it was pretty chilly out and you're barefoot and you know your little t-shirts and stuff out there just jumping your hearts out. One of the things that we would always do for fun or I guess dad always did is he liked to go up and stomp his feet on the rooftop and jingle bells down the chimney and yell ho 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 just get everyone excited you know this is Christmas Eve and one year you made me go up and do it so you could see it because you never got to see any of the reactions. And I, I didn't see it, but I still remember watching that video of, I guess it had to be... I think it was Julia. Julia? Sitting by the fireplace. <laughs> and, like, when the sleigh bells and the, the feet stomping went off, I mean, like, freaked out ran all the way to her room screaming yes screaming at everybody and dad's following with the camera and he on the bed and he's like hey and she's like dad please go to sleep or he's gonna leave <laughs> yeah well the rule from in my house from the time earliest time i can remember just as a four and five and six year old is mom and dad always said look santa won't come unless you're all in bed asleep so we passed that tradition down to our kids, and uh, she she thought, oh, no, I hear the bells. I hear the reindeer landing on the roof. We're all still awake. He's not going to stop here. She went into full panic attack, that's for sure. Jennifer, how about as a, 
as an adult, what might be some of your favorite Christmas memories? Well, I have one that actually contains two. And uh, we had five children at the time, and uh, they were from eighth grade to senior in high school. And uh, we had a little surprise baby coming, and she was born uh, the Friday, the last day of the semester uh, for you guys. And so um, I was in the hospital. The kids all went and took their exams, and then they all came in to greet Carol Grace. And that was so cool. And then the next day we took Carol home, and it was snowing. And so the McDowell's in the snow, and all the teenagers home, and us all just hunkered down, taking turns with, with the little baby. It was really, really a special time. Yeah, little Carol Grace, she, she actually saw Arizona snow before she saw Arizona sunshine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. was a, that was a good one. I, I think the time we surprised you and brought Wayne and Rachel home, uh, and they walked in Christmas morning, uh, I've I, I've never seen you come as close to just outright full bore fainting <laughs> as as that morning. Uh, that that was emotional collapse. Well, Romy was not living at home anymore. Rachel and Wayne were not living at home. Katie was not living at home. I think even William and was gone, and me maybe Julia and Carol just was left. Was it NAU or something? But I was just sad. You know, I mean, it was Christmas and. Didn't think anybody was coming home, and it was 5 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden we're sound asleep, and all the lights came on, and then the door opened, and you guys had started the fire and the coffee, and the Christmas music was the last thing. And uh, so that was really special, but Rachel and Wayne still weren't there. And then we all gathered in, in the living room. The front door opened, and in came Rachel and Wayne, and it was the most perfect. I had absolutely no clue. So it was, it was one of those just take your breath away. It was. Yeah. I've, ne- I've never seen that expression on your face after 40 years of surprising you. <laughs> that, was the, that was the winner take all. And when you said that, the Christmas music blaring, that was always mm-hmm. the first thing we did before we ran back. We'd turn the music all the way up, hit play, <laughs> and then run. And music, that, I always enjoy Christmas music. Rachel can listen to it all year long. I can't do that. Um, but there is an element coming into Christmas where... We've got to play what you know we enjoy, uh, Kenny and Dolly, their Once Upon a Christmas, you know, album to album. People hardly listen that way to music. Anymore. That's right. That's you right. Know, the whole album, start to finish, was always one of those that are our favorite. We have the Elvis Christmas classic. That one, cover to cover, is eight songs, really quick, less than a half hour. But you know, when when he sings. Uh, there's a couple that just hit really highly you know, that just doesn't, you know, just puts me right in the Christmas mood. It does. Well, and there it was does. also Amy Grant's Tennessee Christmas. But, you know, yes, Romy, Amy with the Grant. kids all listening on their own devices anymore, you kind of lose that commonality. But at the time, you know, when you guys were all growing up, those little, what were those little things called? Like um, Sony Walkman? iPad? No, uh, iPod? Like, yeah, little iPods. <laughs> You know, they was, those were just starting. But when we listen to music, we listened as a family. So our favorites are all the same from that era. But each year now, I try to add at least one. And my favorite new one is Casting Crowns, Peace on Earth. And they have a song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And the way that they do it, if that doesn't move you, nothing will. That's the one that gets you, huh? That is. You made this a Christmas to remember. I think we do gift opening a little bit different than a lot of families. 
Well, I always made sure we read the Christmas story first in one way or the other. Uh, you know, there are some families who open presents one at a time, Romy. Did you know that? They open them one at a time, and they go, oh, ooh, ah. But no. At our house, that <laughs> would go, take one, three days. Two, three, go. <laughs> and everybody, papers flying. Hey, thanks over there. This is great. And then you go on to the next one. It's pretty crazy. It's We, we call it the Christmas chaos at Romero's. It's a uh, frenzy. It, it's still one of my favorite frenzies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I be, love it. Then because we've been up so late. And we are so tired. I think that I think we actually started the uh, tradition of the Christmas movie. Well, and then the movie always came after your meal, didn't it? Yeah. Didn't it? Our traditional Christmas Day brunch, a meal we learned as newlyweds, cast iron skillet, and you slice up some potatoes and turn them into hash browns, and then you throw bacon bits in there, and then you throw eggs in there, and it's all the breakfast. You only got to wash one pan. Oh, you got to top it with cheese. Cheese and green onions, and then you have your poppy seed cake you always fix. Mm -hmm. And so the big feed, at that point, we always had a family gift of a movie, not particularly a Christmas movie, but just some current movie. We'd all relocate to the living room, turn on the movie, and sleep through it for two and a half hours. <laughs> Do you have a favorite movie, Ron? I've honestly never seen most of the classics. Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life. It wasn't until I was out of the house that we were at Zeta's one time that he made us watch The Christmas Story. And I remember sitting through that and thinking, this is the slowest, most boringest, <laughs> aggravating movie ever. That and Christmas Vacation are the only two we've sat through and that Christmas story every time I watch it I pick up something more you know very subtle it's one of those that there's almost a joke or a funny point every single scene and that that is a, a favorite Elf as well have you seen Elf you know what Elf I have seen that one. And that's another one of those, the first time I watched it, like, this is so dumb. <laughs> and if I randomly happen to catch it a second time, I'm like, oh, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Elf, is, Elf is fantastic. In sharing some of our memories about the great Christmases, it's, it's our hope, it's, it's our prayer that uh, you and your family uh, can also take this time of year to set those special memory anchors uh, that you'll take with you for the rest of your life. Amanda always gets them all new pajamas and they get to open them Christmas Eve. So the Christmas morning, everybody's in brand new pajamas. The colors are bright for the pictures. Uh, that really is is the one that carried over because my kids do not get up early. I mean, me, me and Amanda are up, <laughs> like drinking coffee. Like, I can't believe nobody's waking up. Did they not oh, set the alarm? I know, Did they not? I, I know what phone call I'm ringing this Christmas morning. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all till I saw you some more. And we're going to leave you with uh, the reading of Baby Kay and Dr. Rosie, my grandparents, dad's parents, reading in their Cajun French accent, the Cajun night before Christmas. We'll leave you with this. And all through the house, they don't a thing pass, not even a mouse. The children been nuzzled, good snug on the floor, and Mama passed the pepper through the crack on the door. Then Mama in the fireplace done roast up the ham, stir up the gumbo, and make bake the yam. Then out on the bayou, they got such a clatter, make sound like old Boudreaux done fall off his ladder. I run like a rabbit to got to the door trip over the dog and fall on the floor. As I look out the door in the light of the moon, I think, man, you crazy. 
yeah. are not old too soon. Because down on the bayou, where I stretch my neck stiff, there's eight alligator a pulling the skiff, and a little fat driver with a long pulling stick. I knew right away it got to be old Saint Nick. Oh, faster and faster the gator they came. He whistled and holler and called them by name. Hey, Gaston. Hey, Thibault. Hey, Pierre and Alce. Hey, G, Ninette. G, Suzette, Celeste, and Renee. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Make crawl, alligator, and be sure you don't fall. Like tent clothes cat through the treetop he fly. When the big old hound dog come a-run himself like that up the porch. Them old gator clam with the skiff full of tar and St. Nicholas behind. Then on top of the porch roof, it sound like the hail when all them big gator done sat down the tail. Then down the chimney, I yell with a bam, and St. Nicholas fall and sit on the yam. Sacre, he exclaimed, my pant got a hole. I done shot myself on them red hot coal. He got on his foot and jumped like a cat out to the floor where he land with his splat. He was dressed in muskrat from his head to his foot and all his clothes is all dirty with ashes and soot. A sack full of plating and he throw on his back. He looked like a burger and that's for a fact. His eyes, how they shine. His dimple, how merry. Maybe he been drank the wine from blackberry. His cheek was like rose, his nose like a cherry. On second thought, Maybe he lap up the sherry. With snow-white chin whisker and quivering belly, he shook when he laughed like the strawberry jelly. But in a wink of his eye and shook his old head, make my confidence that I don't get to be scared. He don't do no talking. He gone straight to his work, put plaything in sock, and then turn with a jerk. He stood, put both his hand there on top of his head, cast an eye on the chimney, and then he done said... With all that fire and them burning hot flame, me, I ain't going back by the way that I came. So he run out the door, and he climbed to the roof. He ain't no fool him for to make one more goof. He jumped in his skiff and cracked his big whip. The gator moved down and don't make one slip. And I hear him shout loud, a splashing as he go. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to, to all, all till I, I saw you some more. This is Bob Vaught of IQ Home Inspections. Merry Christmas from Rosie on the House. Welcome back to the Christmas Eve edition of Rosie on the House. So can't come back without a big ho, ho, ho. And we're talking a little bit this segment about traditions. And we got to talking about it at the office a little bit. And we have a very diverse staff. We do, uh, some precious memories they had. Uh, but growing up in, at my house in South Louisiana, we had no idea what a white Christmas was. Never, never even knew to, to, to want one. We'd hear the song and had no idea what it meant. Uh, Christmas Eve, we had a big family, had five sisters. We, I later had two more brothers. Baby Kay, my mama, would always service eggnog in the evening around a fire in the living room. I'm confident now as an adult, that eggnog was spiked. <laughs> to get you guys to all go to bed. It had value in it or something because we were always told Santa will not come until you're all in bed asleep. And we would conspire the entire week before Karen and Diane and Nita and Cleta and Red, all my sisters, 
well, how are you going to stay up? Well, how are you going to stay up? Well, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep. And within 15 minutes of serving that eggnog, we'd all be asleep on the living room floor. <laughs> dad would carry us all to bed. Mom and Dad, Dr. Rosie and Baby Kate, really tried really hard instilling us a belief that someone was coming in the night and delivering all those goods. They really held that secret to, I won't tell you how old I was. It's pretty embarrassing how old I was. Uh, that was before the internet. But, and, uh, yes, and nobody it, could yeah. tell on it. But we, we would go to bed, the tree would be decorated, and then a few presents would be underneath, and, and Dad, we'd have our eggnog, Mom would knock us out, Dad would carry us to bed, there'd be a fire in the fireplace in the living room, he'd carry us upstairs, then it was a race of who could wake up first. That's where all those traditions came who from, can, who, <laughs> get, who gets the honor and the privilege of dragging every other brother and sister up? And we'd walk in that living room, and it would be stuffed to the rafters with unimaginable amount of gifts, but they were all put in appropriate piles by person. So you know your pile was here, your pile was there. And I mean, for the first three hours of Christmas morning, it would just be kids screaming with glee and laughing and tying on, uh, trying on all the things. And one of the biggest memories I have is I have a sister, sweet Cleta. And we have home videos. Oh, of we this. should put that home we, video. We, we have home videos. Of this. And she got a NASA space helmet. And somehow she raised the face mask and got her head all the way in the helmet. In, in the hole, in the in front the of the hole. helmet. In the hole. And we could not get that helmet off her head. We, so, and she's crying and everybody else is laughing. So my, it was my parents thought that was the perfect time to take out the 8 millimeter and capture that film. <laughs> and poor Cleta still has to live with that The thing video. on her head or no? No, no, we got it off her head. We did get it off her head. But oh, boy, that was hilarious. Jennifer kind of hit on it a while ago. A lot of those sound just like the things we used to do. Who could get up the earliest and... Uh, everything you had to have ready ahead of uh, waking up mom and dad. Uh, and it, I remember it kept getting earlier and earlier and earlier who uh. would call our cousins in Colorado first. Then finally, a time limit was put on when you could call. I think and it was then 5 after o'clock. That, <laughs> and you know, funny, after that, we never really did it anymore. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Took all the fun out, yeah. sorry. <laughs> they'd, they'd call our cousins and say, I'm first up and it's 4.13, you know, Romy, the next you... year, we'd get a phone call. They're calling us and say, well, now we're up at 347. Oh, <laughs> that, was uh, that was wicked. And then when the phone rang one time and somebody was still assembling a bicycle, I thought, okay, that's too early. <laughs> <laughs> Backtracking, Romy, did you ever learn to like eggnog? Yeah. Yeah? But, this time of year, yeah. but I always did. And yeah. We always put, what was it, nutmeg you sprinkled on top of yeah, it? Yeah, a little nutmeg. Yeah. Well, I really learned how to make it when Dad's friends, John and Meg, started bringing us eggnog. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I thought, this is the best thing I ever had, but I found out it was spiked. I didn't know that. <laughs> I wonder it was so good. A good spiked eggnog for the holidays. Homemade. You can't oh. beat it. Come on. Well, it's one amazing. time a year. As a dad, one of the favorite memories I always liked creating for the kids is our house is kind of set up with the living area on one side and the bedrooms on the other, separated by a living room and a bedroom hall. And Jennifer would gather all the kids into the kitchen breakfast area where there was a fireplace. And we'd be talking about, okay, now what time are we going to go to bed? And, you know, let's remember the reason for the season. And, you know, uh, are you all tired yet? Nope. Uh, do you think we should be turning in? So, no. Well, you know, if you're not in bed and Santa Claus comes, he's not going to stop. 
And then I would be standing on the roof with sleigh bells and shake them down the fireplace and yell, and ho. yell ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and Gary, I'm telling you, it was like somebody lit the kids' tails on fire. <laughs> they would jump off those breakfast room couches, run back in bed, and you, I, I was on the roof, and I could hear them screaming, ah, get to bed, everybody. <laughs> My neighbors, the Bodoins, growing up in Lafayette, it did the same thing, too. Oh. And you could just see the kids scattered like roaches. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're gone. They're I always too. really enjoyed that. And then when, when, like Romy says, when they were getting up earlier and earlier, earlier, Jennifer finally had the foresight of saying, okay, we don't care what time you wake us up, but the fire has to be lit. And that's when we only had wood burning fireplaces. The coffee has to be made and the breakfast cookies and muffins have to be warmed. So that, that gave us to at least 5.30, a quarter <laughs> six, and then they'd all come running in. Now, back in the day, how did you do your coffee? Was Because there was no automatic drip. You had to do it the old-fashioned way. Or, um, or did, did uh, Baby Cake do that? Well, no, no. <laughs> oh, back in his day. <laughs> uh, uh, Gary, I kept a Cajun drip coffee pot maker until 15 years ago. It was, it was my grandpa's coffee pot, and I, we just set our oven, boiled the water over here, put the community coffee in the top, and we just ladle it in there. And my grandmother made the same thing. Uh-oh. We'd go to church and then go visit her. Believe me, if you were tired after one cup, you were up not only on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday. It would... Is that the type of coffee pot where it's got the tube at the bottom that goes to the top and it percolates and then it that's sprinkles the, down on a basket. Of- well, that's the camping version. Grandpa's version was the coffee pot and then the top of the pot that held the coffee ground. Oh, and the, the two-part. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then you yeah, yeah. poured the, the hot ladle, water over the top. Then you mm-hmm. ladled the water into the top. I guess it, it was a poor man's French press. That, and we would tell the kids, look, there's going to be a lot of other friends coming over, so it's got to be a big coffee pot. And it took a little while to ladle it in. Bought Jennifer Ryan another 15 or 20 minutes on the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could hear them, but we wouldn't admit to it. We made them always come in and, and uh, jump on the bed and giggle and laugh and wrestle and toss. And then I'd find reasons to delay even more. Well, I'm still kind of tired. Is the coffee made? Is the fire burning? Uh-huh. I need to brush my teeth. I, got I do point. remember that you would stall a long time just to aggravate us. <laughs> to aggravate you. Oh, oh yes, it was. Uh, building yeah. character. Building. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to say, I got something for you guys. And this is completely off the cuff. What one Christmas song you have to hear? Oh, and it's not Mariah Carey, folks, trust me. Um, no. That you have to hear that you know it's Christmas and or strikes a memory when you hear it. Little Town of Bethlehem. By I, anybody I, or is uh, there by a, anybody? Okay. I think that's the most inspirational Christmas hymn that there is. Little Town of Bethlehem. Mine, well, the Cajun connection too. Mine is Please Come Home for Christmas by Charles Brown. It's got to be the original. It's got to be on King Records on a 45, and it's got half little scratchy noises on it when the, <laughs> the needle hits the vinyl. But it's just the sound of that record. Do you still have a player? Do you, yeah, oh, you yeah. You do that? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. I still have tons of vinyl. Romy, how about you for music? Do you have one? You know, just a lot of the same ones familiar growing up with, the Kenny and Dolly album, the Peanuts album, um, the Nutcracker album. But one particular song that I always really love, and it's hard to find. Uh, even the album that it's on, it's an Elvis Christmas album. And the other versions I've heard of this aren't as good, but there's one where it's um you know where it's sing choir of angels sing an exaltation i mean mm-hmm. the lead up to that and when it hits and it's elvis and his backup singers and the voice and 
the the orchestra. I mean, everything just it, it sends goosebumps all the way up your spine. Yeah, I, there's one song that almost makes me tear up, and it's kind of corny. Romy, who sings uh, Christmas in Dixie? Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. You know what? That one that, does, too. I heard that, it just a few days that ago. That almost chokes me up every time. Christmas in Dixie. It and, takes me right back to the bayou as a child, six, seven, eight years old. And I get the goosebumps, and it's that... 12-string guitar intro that goes doom, 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 because it sounds like a bell and then great, great Christmas song. We like to add one every year, and my most recent one that I love is Casting Crowns. Yes. Their Christmas album. And then also one of my traditional ones was Amy Grant's uh, Tennessee Christmas. That's a good one. Another Tennessee Christmas. That one hit I actually home. heard somebody else sing that song. I'm like, oh, nobody sings it. Like I know. I'm like, ah, turn it off, turn it off. I can't hear it. Okay, <laughs> let me throw you another curveball. What one Christmas movie you have to watch during holidays? Mm. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to default on that one. Yeah, I, we don't really. I, we've talked about a few of the silly ones, which are the classics, uh, you know, with the younger kids, Elf, Us, wanna, The Christmas wanna, Story. You want to know how Home Alone. You want to know how hedonistic we are at our house? Mm. It's Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Santa, Santa, we, we're up early, we have breakfast, and everybody crashes about 9.30 in the morning. So we would always get a movie. My, my kids became, what is it, Yamamoto Square? What's it called? Takiyama. Nakatomi. Nakatomi. I actually, he's not listening, so I can say this, but I, my brother-in-law, who's in the military, it was my turn to get him something this year, and he randomly sent you know, a silly sweater suggestion. And it's Hans Gruber. Falling off, and it says it's not Christmas till John McClane throws Hans off the off Nakatomi Tower. Well, with, uh. with all this talk about traditions, I do want to repeat one thing I've said just a few minutes ago, folks. I hope you and your family are having an absolutely spectacular and blessed holiday season, regardless of the holiday you celebrate. And uh, let's not forget the reason for the season. God bless you all. Good morning, Cindy, calling from Scottsdale. Hi, good morning. I have a ranch home, an older home, and in the laundry room, which is pretty big, I would like to add a macerating toilet, and the electric and plumbing for the washer and dryer is would be only like four or five feet away. Do you think that could be a smart thing or not? Well, um, the drain we run to your laundry room is smaller than the drain that we run to your toilet. Now, you ought to call, um, I would start with City of Scottsdale and let them know what you want to do um, and see what their building code requirement is for a macerating toilet, if in fact you can discharge that into a smaller than a three-inch drain because a toilet drain needs to be three inches. I haven't installed a macerating toilet in Scottsdale. We did once for a cabin up on the Mogollon Rim. And we've installed a lot of macerating pumps for hillside homes that have to pump their sewer up over a hill to get into the city sewer system. But I don't have the experience of installing a single macerating pump on a smaller than a three-inch line in the city of Scottsdale. Let's do a little bit more investigation before we do, because if Scottsdale says no, we'll have to go find that three-inch line, which is probably somewhere out 
in the front or back of the yard. You could grab it, bring it into that laundry room, and uh, have it done absolutely right and correct. So, I'm going to ask a dumb question. Okay, What's please, a macerating toilet? Think think of a toilet with a built-in blender. No, no. Think. Don't think too hard. No, no. Think of a toilet <laughs> with a built-in garbage disposal. Okay. All right. All right. It it, it composts it all. It's it doesn't compost oh. it. It just breaks it all down into fluid enough. We it, you have to use it a lot when you when you're trying to force feed a sewer line. Macerating toilet. We are learning <laughs> so much today. You're helping my crossword puzzle. Yeah. Right how about that? Gary, calling from Tucson. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, I had a roof replaced about four years ago, and the original roof that they replaced had two layers of road roofing on it, and in some places it actually had three layers, and it's one layer was 30 years old and one was 15, and what they did was half of the roof, they did not remove that road roofing. They just put felt over it. It's a flat roof. I was wondering, is that going to cause a problem later on, or... Uh, you think that'll be okay? Um, in, inherently, um, I would I would need to know a bit more, but inherently, I'm not worried about it. It did it did it bond well. You're not seeing any of it blistering back up. You're not having any leak problem. Well, it's it's it, 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 it's it's uneven, so there are some rather deep uh, pooling because it uh it what they did was. There's two skylights, and so the skylights are almost touching the roof now because it's so thick from yes. the previous roof and, and from this. And uh, I'm just wondering if it's going to, you know, five years from now cause any problems. or. Well, i tell you what I'll do, Gary. Um, uh, one of our certified roofers down in Tucson is West Coast Roofing. One of their estimators is named James. And he's going to come out and take a look at that and give his expert opinion. And then I'm going to buy James and his wife a nice supper at a good restaurant in Tucson. And then we'll all call it even. You'll have a good third-party objective expert analysis. James and Susan will get a nice dinner out of the deal. And we'll all live happily ever after. Popular questions we had asked was, uh, will a fresh paint job cover the smell of cigarette smoke inside this house I bought. Probably not. <laughs> that smell permeates everything. The carpet, the upholstery. What, whatever top surface is on there, furniture, uh, depending on what kind of countertops, any tile grout. So it takes a lot more than that. We have a great article at rosyonthehouse.com uh, that talks through everything and the cleaning that you'll want to do with trisodium phosphate. Um, you can apply kills primer over the top surface before you paint, and that'll help lock it in. Um, when you're done scrubbing, even putting air purifiers in there. So it's a, it's a pretty big job. The best way is just that shouldn't be done indoors. Um, <laughs> for for that reason, it, it it's a very expensive process getting that removed. We've got Ken next on the line. Wants to talk about water filtration. Ken, welcome. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, I got a quick question. My uh, water softening unit on my house went out, and I've been thinking on my side to rip that out. I've also got a reverse osmosis under the sink that needs to be uh, re, you know, the filter switched out once a year. And I'm leaning towards a whole house water filter system, and my wife's convinced we need to stick with a water.
water softening unit, and I guess it's kind of personal preference, but can you guide me? I mean, I know water softeners are better for pipes typically, correct? It's, it, it takes the hard minerals out of the water, so it's not only better for the pipes, but it's better uh, for your laundry, your clothes. It's better for your skin when you're taking a shower. I mean, it's it, it's anything you use water for, it's better for. So it's a something we absolutely uh, encourage all homeowners to invest in is a whole house water uh, softener. And then with the RO filter that you put underneath the kitchen sink, that's then your purified drinking water. You you don't want to drink RO water. I mean, there's, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, softened water. Uh, there's nothing necessarily really wrong with it. It just kind of leaves them in a different taste. So then the RO brings it perfectly down to H2O. 